Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. Discussing cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film. So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question... What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Here we are. Walking down the street. Get the funniest. (laughs) We're writing partners, but we're not musical writing partners. (laughs) At all. Even though we've pitched a musical episode. Yeah. Notice that we don't pitch any songs in that episode. (laughs) (laughs) I think think we pitched uh, ideas for songs. We definitely didn't improv sing anything. (laughs) There's a ballad here. (laughs) And it's about Cowboys. The end. We did it. We're writers. (laughs) Even though we didn't write anything. (laughs) Uh, Welcome, everybody. This is episode 34. We're glad you could join us once again. Sorry for the delay. My new job makes things a little bit more difficult. Uh, However, we are recording separately again. This might be the way it's going to go for a little while, um, just because it's a little bit easier uh, on the days that I do work from home. I can basically just pop on and record an episode with Rob during my lunch break. Um, So... He's starving uh, for your entertainment, folks. I really am. I, I'm I'm starving for those views, downloads, subscribes, follows, all of it. So you know where to do it. Uh, <laughs> this episode uh, is going to be pitched by Rob. Uh, this is his turn as we go back and forth, as you all are aware. Um, so, Rob, what are we what are we looking at today? That felt a little aggressive at the end there, Nick. <laughs> um, Rob, tell us what we're friggin' looking at. Uh, <laughs> before me. we before we get started today, I just I don't usually do this kind of stuff on the podcast, but oh. uh, it's kind of been uh, turning over in my head a little bit, and I wanted to say something. Um, this past weekend, uh, you know, we got news, of course, that a, a comedian and writer named Trevor Moore, yes, uh, passed away suddenly and tragically uh, in an accident, and um, you know, our our generation, especially like the whitest kids, you know, was probably the first like very subversive kind of sketch comedy mm-hmm. uh, that we got to watch growing up. Um, and I, I admired that show. He was a founding member of that group. I looked forward to some stuff that he was working on. There are too many episodes or sketches from the whitest kids, you know, that that were quoted through our whole college careers. Yeah. And uh, everything I, I hear about Trevor Moore is that he had an incredibly dark, dark sense of humor and that he was a wonderful, warm person in spite of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, as, as, as someone who influenced my, my writing and my approach to comedy, I just uh, I kind of wanted to acknowledge him uh, before we ran into this today. Also a Jersey native. So there's that as well. Yes, yes, we are all in one big grand falloon of Jersey people. <laughs> um, so, uh, jumping into the show, uh, the article I, I stumbled on um, was, I didn't even like go looking for this article, I found the website it's on, and I clicked on it because I thought it was a funny name for a website, which is <laughs> A New Yorker State of Mind. I said, ah, there's a pun in Billy Joel's song. But dump um, And I found a piece uh, written on there that sort of blew my mind in the same way that like I first saw a painting by Adolf Hitler. Uh, I, I found an article about the time that Mussolini, Benito Mussolini, the fascist dictator of Italy (laughs) wrote a romance novel, like (laughs) the kind that Fabio would be on the cover of (laughs) one of those, one of those dime store novels you'd find at Shoprite in the bargain book section. (laughs) Yes. Um, It's not good. (laughs) <laughs> as you could imagine from a weird shifty little man like Mussolini um it's a pr- it's pretty short uh the article um but what's what's really great is is reading a review from the time that it was written uh which... well actually the review is written almost about 20 years later was it yeah, because oh yeah, Dorothy the, Parker. The uh, Dorothy Parker uh, wrote her review in 1928, and I think the book came out in 1910. Um, and the thing about that was that it was the first time that the book was translated into English. 
So that was the first time that an American audience was able to, unfortunately, read this book. Yeah. So the the great uh, critic Dorothy Parker, here's some selections from her thoughts on on uh, this this uh, book, The Cardinal's Mistress by Benito Mussolini. Uh, Signor Benito Can, Mussolini. Sorry, before you what? start. Can you just read the title and the author once more for me? Sure. The Cardinal's Mistress by Benito Mussolini. <laughs> I just, I can't. It's such a hard place to start from. I still can't accept that it's real. <laughs> Signor Benito Mussolini, back in the days when he was wearing white shirts, uh, if any, wrote a book. It has lately been translated into English and stacked high on local book counters. It's called The Cardinal's Mistress. Just when you think things are beginning to break a little better, it turns out that Mussolini has been writing books about prelates' girlfriends. <sighs> That's the way life is. That's how things are managed in this world of yours. Sometimes I think I'll give up trying and just go completely Russian and sit on a stove and moan all day. Uh, <laughs> that's fucking incredible writing for 1928. <laughs> it's so good. It's it's really not worth recapping the plot of Mussolini's romance novels, but it's it's about a cardinal who wants to bone. And it I sounds guess, like something Seth Rogen would pitch in something. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, um uh let's see if there's any other selections from dorothy parker i wanted to read i'll just i'll just read the rest of this piece up weak though the ordeal has left me i shall never be the one to grudge the time and effort i put into my attempts at reading the cardinal's mistress (laughs) this book has considerably enlarged that dream life i was telling you about a few minutes ago it has broadened now to admit that scene in which i tell mussolini and what's more you can't even write a book that anyone can read you old duce you you can see for yourself how flat that would leave him. Um, <laughs> I, I simply, I cannot even deign to go and find selections from this book because we all know it's bad. <laughs> you can see him speak in public <laughs> or chill with Hitler and know that it's bad. Which is Just so bad. interesting. Cause I mean, again, a, a journalist does not make a good fiction writer at all, but he was a journalist with experience and stuff like that. You think he'd have, some sort of semblance to away with words, but um, no. <laughs> it, it, the whole novel, from what I understand, is him just clearly projecting, and like it's about somebody that he wanted to bone, but he pretended yeah. it was historical fiction. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, what I will gross. say, folks, is if you do look to read this article, uh, the the link that we're going to share uh, is quite long. The article that we are talking about is only the first six paragraphs or so. Uh, it took me way too long to realize that as I continued oh, to read no. through the next one, which was about uh, talkie pictures and sound being evolved in film. And I was like, did they try to make a movie about this Mussolini book? What am I missing here? <laughs> <laughs> they haven't brought up Benito in like three pages. In a I guess while I'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what I went through while reading this. That's like the first time I ever read an anthology book when I was a little kid. And yeah. I didn't understand it was the same story. It wasn't the same story all the way yeah. through. And I'm like, what happened to Catherine? <laughs> <laughs> um. I did find another article uh, from biography.com that was a little bit more in depth to the story of his book. And uh, we will, we will link that as well. Um, I don't know. Is there, is there anything else you want to say about this before we, before we dive into, you know, the premise of our podcast? I mean, honestly, I, I could have started pitching just based off the, the heading of the article. Just... For sure. That that was the interesting thing for me is that I was like, we could easily pitch one of two things here. We could pitch the fact that Mussolini wrote a romance novel, or we could fucking pitch Mussolini's romance novel. Um, and I was like, we, we could do either of those things. I have a feeling we both didn't do those things, but we could have done those things. <laughs> uh, so let's let's start off here as this was your article, Rob. What do you got? Um, well, Reading this, the first place that my brain went to uh, was one of the greatest films ever made, Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> my movie, and the title of the movie within my movie, is called A Love for All Time. <laughs> uh, 
and you have to save them. <laughs> I love for all time. <laughs> um, uh, directed by Jay Shrandesekar of uh, okay. uh, Super Troopers and uh, the whole Broken, Broken Lizard, Lizard yeah. fame. Uh, my cast is uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, featuring Sasha Baron Cohen and Tandy Newton. <laughs> Tandy Newton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. She uses her full name now. Uh, Tandaway Newton. Oh, does she really? Yes. Uh, she, I guess, had felt pressured early in her career to anglicize her first name. For sure, yeah. Uh, um, but she recently wanted to. To I, I hope I said it right. Uh, I'm trying. <laughs> what, what is it? Tandaway? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I love her. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's fantastic. Um, the plot of my film uh, is essentially that there is a uh, very boorish and moronic dictator of an unnamed Central European country so that Sasha can do whatever accent he wants to, hmm. um, who has become somewhat bored. Uh, the, the movie starts recently after the sort of overthrow of the more democratic previous government and the replacement of it with the bullying fascism uh, that Europe was known for in the 1900s. And now that he has power, this dictator has suddenly become bored. He He's that kind of guy who always has to have that, that, like, what's the next thing he's trying to do once he finishes something or gets close to finishing it, he moves mm-hmm. on to the next thing. Okay. So now that he's, now that he's become, you know, president for life or whatever he's going to call himself, um, he needs to keep proving to people that he's the best at everything. <laughs> so, uh, for he, he decides he's he wants to become a famous author. Um, I'm thinking probably he comes to this conclusion during a book burning. <coughs> oh, Ooh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he writes a romance novel, uh, in which it's a very thinly veiled, you know, version of himself. Uh, you know, romancing a, a young woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, it's terrible, but it's the best selling book in the history of the country because you're buying it. You're buying it immediately. <laughs> um, and then they decide to make a feature film adaptation. Um, and so they have one of his, uh, what do you call them, body doubles? Okay. Uh, lookalikes, you know. Played uh, by Kira his... Knightley. <laughs> no, no, played by <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, <laughs> to, to play him in this film. Uh, opposite uh, Miss Newton, who is going to be the the heroine of the film. Previously, she was the country's best stage actor. Mm. Now she has to be in the dictator's movie. Uh, also, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen will be playing the president of the United States, uh, <laughs> who is an ineffectual fop. And, <laughs> and uh, as you might expect, uh, over the course of the film, um, we see the ridiculousness of the regime. Uh, we have a burgeoning romance between the two stars of the movie within the movie uh at which point they begin hatching a scheme to replace the dictator with his body double um, <laughs> because they know at the end of this film the that within the film the the main male character uh dies tragically saving his love from a flood uh because it's very histrionic that way so they're going to plot on the last day of shooting to swap the dictator for the real uh, so I swap the dictator for the actor because mm. for real, he's going to drown this guy at the end of the film for quote unquote cinema verite and realism. <laughs> is there in your in your movie, is there any difference between Sasha Barrett Cohen and Sasha Barrett Cohen's body double? Like the do legitimacy you have... of the mustache. OK, gotcha. <laughs> a fake mustache and a real mustache. So, sometimes he has the fakest of fake mustaches. Sometimes it's a real mustache. <laughs> Fun fact, the dictator's mustache is the fake one. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I kind of wanted to make an old school like ode to Charlie Chaplin. Um, Sasha jumped into my head just because I, I wanted to see him, A, play multiple roles in kind of the Peter Sellers vein. Mm-hmm. And B, he did a movie called The Dictator yeah. where he plays the dictator of a Middle Eastern country. That one's like super over the top, like Middle Eastern dictator, uh, sort of Bush era type stuff. This is yeah. a, this is a bit more old school kind of uh, uh, Chaplin esque European fascism. A, a nod, a nod to the uh, to mm-hmm. the era. Yep. 
And uh, yeah, that is uh, that is my movie, A Love for All Time. <laughs> it's so it's so such a generic title. I love it. Like, and you can see the cover too. It just it's blazoned yeah. in fake gothic script. The yep. hero is wearing a white pirate puffy shirt with yeah. the chest open all the way down to his navel. I don't want to be a pirate. You're gonna be the first pirate. <laughs> um, awesome. Very awesome. So uh, that's that's what sprang into my head immediately was was uh, shenanigans with fascists. So Nick, uh, after reading about Benito Mussolini, um, thinking he can do anything at all, really, um, <laughs> what do you got? All right, uh, we went very different routes, Hooray! Um, which I love. This is my favorite part of the podcast when we go completely opposite directions. Uh, you went, you know. I, I, slapstick's not the right word, but you went Charlie Chaplin, old school comedy style. Um, I went uh, nineteen late nineteen fifties psychological thriller, almost. Oh my! Um, maybe not psychological, but it is a thriller. Uh, so my film uh, is about a prolific writer. Uh, a beatnik writer in the New York era uh, of the late 1950s. Uh, his name is Robert Collins. Uh, he's a well-established writer in his later years, having seen a rise of success in his series of novels. I didn't really plan out what those novels were. I didn't want to do mystery, but, you know, something. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe mystery. Maybe it's like a an earlier iteration of what Tom Clancy becomes, things like that. Oh, cool. Um That is, however, until one journalist uncovers an unpublished work of his that shares some very unpopular and disturbing views on World War II. So as we follow through this character in this movie, this journalist basically blackmails uh, my author, Robert Collins, with the threat of revealing his younger views. um, And then he must devise a plan to ensure that the book never sees the light of day. In my movie, there is no protagonist. Um, my author is obviously a uh, prolific man with some very skewed views on World War II, as it was, mm-hmm. you know, 15, 20 years earlier. Um, my journalist is someone of no integrity who is trying to, to blackmail this man as well. Um, this is a, an era take on, and I hate this term because... There's there's such a, a difference between uh, responsible uh, responsibility and and uh, throw thought through this stuff, but cancel culture. Um, the term cancel culture is such a I don't know backwards term in our zeitgeist uh, of what it does. There is a difference between. People I think the only people who use it are people who don't really understand the notion exactly um so you know there's a difference between people who need to take responsibility for their actions and learning from their younger selves as well there's you know there are people who i i truly feel um don't deserve the hate they got the first one that stands out to me is james gunn uh you know who was writing satirical posts on twitter for a company he worked for and had uh guardians of the galaxy taken away from him and then there are people who are absolutely terrible people who have done horrible things who need to be reprimanded and punished for those horrible things. Um, my my character, I want to thread the needle between those two lines. Um, they are thoughts of a young man, uh, a young man who didn't really know what he was saying. They were never published. He never did that on purpose. Maybe the character realized that they were uh, thoughts that shouldn't be shared, and that's why they weren't published. Uh, but they are terrible thoughts. Uh, you know, whether I, I never planned on exactly what that was, whether it was just Nazi sympathizing or. So the the concept of his of his writings are 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 not laid out. They're kind of a MacGuffin, like Correct. a Pulp Fiction suitcase, but Ex- in the abstract. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so that's the premise of my film. It's about a journalist who uncovers this unpublished work. I don't know how she unpublishes it, but uh, uncovers it. Um, but she then blackmails him, uh, for something. I don't know what, you know, this is where you and I come together. Um, my director of choice is Ben Affleck. Um, my cast as my author, uh, Robert Collins is going to be played by Richard Jenkins. Mm. Uh, my journalist will be Hillary Swank. 
And then I have one more cast member who's going to be an old friend of Richard Jenkins's character who used to write with him as a young duo, maybe in college, uh, which will be played by Gary Oldman. And the title of my film is Foiled. Um, So it's basically about this journalist kind of, I I don't know whether or not Gary Oldman's character is someone who's going to side with the author or trying to help the journalist uncover the information as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he's kind of the, the balance between the two of them to, to get her what she wants. And then also maybe at the same time realize, you know, he's backstabbing an old friend and, and tries to help him in the end. The idea I had for my ending, which uh, I don't know if it's what would happen. Um, but basically the idea I had was for him to kind of win, which I don't think I care for, but in a way that he would publish the works as a work of fiction or satire and kind of destroy the journalist that way. Mm-hmm. Um Instead of it being like, you know, I love the Nazis, blah, blah, blah. It's a satirical post, uh, a satirical standout post of uh, World War II. And, you know, as a writer, he uses the big words of, you know, we're looking at it from a different, uh, different era. And we need to we need to use our minds to extrapolate the the different processes of, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All he has to do is change the ending slightly. In the- <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's just a change of the wording and the verbiage that he uses. Um, but yeah, that's that's my movie. Uh, I am a, for anyone who doesn't know, I am a sucker for Ben Affleck uh, as an actor and uh, as a director. Um, I'm super excited for The Last Duel, which Rob showed me the trailer of uh, the other day um, that him and Ben are finally writing again. Uh, him and Matt are finally writing again. Um, but yeah, that's that's my that's my film premise. And it's quite drastically different from yours, sir. <laughs> <laughs> did, oh, did you did you read any more about uh, the last duel and and the writing process they they did for it? I did. So I also watched an interview that Matt did on I think it was Fallon or something, um, talking about how another person I love, who I've mentioned on this podcast and used as a director, uh, Nicole Holof Center, uh, is writing the film with them, and Matt and Ben have written the male point of views of the film and she has written the female point of views of the film, which I think is awesome. It's, it's great because when you read about that incident, historically, we have no clues or insights whatsoever as to the, the uh, inner life of of the, the wife of the main character. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see what she does with it. But I, I I highly recommend anyone uh, interested or intrigued, uh, look up the trailer for the last duel. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon uh, and Nicole Holof Center are writing it. Uh, it stars Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, um, and Driver. as well as Adam Driver. And oh, who plays the female? Who plays the main? Was it Florence Pugh? I, I, I keep forgetting. I think it was. As you hear the click. No, it's Jody. My... It's Jody Comer from, um, okay. from Killing Eve. And it is directed by Ridley Scott. So, you know, we got a lot of a lot of names in there that I think could be very interesting. Um. But yeah, that's a little bit of a sidetrack, but you know, it brought me to mind with Ben. We we like movies. We do we do like movies. That's why we do this podcast. Imagine if we were just like loathsome, hateful people. <laughs> I hate doing so. this podcast just because we want to get paid for like <laughs> yeah. movie movie ideas. Um, but yeah, I, I I I shouldn't say he's underrated as a director because all of his movies have been critically acclaimed. Um. But Ben Affleck as a director, I think, is is absolutely fantastic. So that was the the route I went, and that is my movie of choice, sir. Oh, boy, this one's going to be tough, Nick. Yeah, I don't know how we're going to do this. Um, okay. okay. We could... I, th- I think we could make my idea funnier, where I'm kind of seeing it... Have you watched Mank? Yes. Okay. I'm kind of seeing it a little bit more with, with your pitch. I'm kind of seeing it a little bit more in tune with Mank now where it is definitely got some humor into it. And it's, it's definitely has some, some comedy as well uh, as an era, uh, as a a piece uh, uh, of its time. Mm -hmm. Um, But we, we can't go one or the other. We can't go straight my direction. We can't go straight your direction. So this is going to be the hard part. I think if I went Chaplin, and you went Ben Affleck. The <laughs> intersection of these, yeah, the intersection of these, we might have to go sort of Stanley Kubrick. Okay. So, let's see. Are you thinking like Doctor Strangelove? Yeah, I think so too. I think we go Doctor Strangelove with this. Um, this could work because. 
I don't think we make him a dictator, but I think we can definitely make it. We can keep the idea that it's someone who's very prolific, whether it's a political person or just an author, like in my pitch. Um, but it's someone who has something uncovered about their past. And maybe the idea is that instead of trying to hide it because he's so prolific, he's trying to put it out there and be like, look, no one is going to care. I am so loved. Okay. So, so the main guy in your film essentially is, is Richard Jenkins as an author. Yes. Okay. So we keep kind of the initial gist of what you were talking about with him being confronted by a journalist uh, mm -hmm. and blackmailed. Um, because she finds out you're that guy. Yeah. You changed your name and moved to America, but you are, let's say, maybe it's propagandist material. The ch the chief propagandist. Yeah. For that regime, for sure. You're the guy who wrote all that stuff, and you ghost wrote for the dictator. I found out Ooh, that that's okay. you. Um, and uh, you, you know, he's almost he's not like sort of the public figure, but he's got that propagandist reputation of like a Goebbels. Almost the guy who was mm -hmm. putting out all this bullshit. Um, and as we come to find out moving back in the film, um, that was just kind of his like copywriter day job. Yeah. That he was like being paid by the word. And this is just like what he did to support himself. Because he was just really good. Dribble. <laughs> yeah. He was really good at like writing in character. Yeah. But like he was just some guy. And he was not like, you know, he, he was, wasn't a member of the party or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and then it starts to be like putting more and more on him. Like, uh, well, your writing's very good. Sorry, his writing's very good. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, he wants to publish a novel. Hint, hint. His, his alias, you mean? Uh, no, I mean like the, the, the big guy that the dictator wants to oh, okay. publish a novel. And it's just like, you know, very expecting glares like, so get started. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I kind of see it. I like the idea that this journalist... What if What if it's that this guy wrote... You know, it's a character piece. It's, it's all a part of it. But this journalist just flat out believes like he changed his name to get away from his younger political views. Yep. And the entire time he's just trying to explain to this journalist, like, you don't get it. I was writing as a character for yeah. this magazine these are not real political views of mine yeah. this person doesn't exist and like yeah because you changed your name it's like no no no. they never existed it's I literally never my, my name, name. <laughs> <laughs> i did um, not change my name <laughs> and i think the way he eventually talks the journalist out of essentially ruining him and denouncing him as as our our universe equivalent of a nazi mm -hmm. is he reveals that he uh, an actor, uh, he and two actors mm -hmm. uh, s swapped out the body double and, and the dictator and are responsible for the end of the war because they got him killed on set. They got the dictator killed on set? Mm-hmm. Okay, I like it. For the big death scene where it, we're definitely going to, we're killing the actor. It's for realism. They, <laughs> they, they swap in the guy. Somehow they do it. So, like, the dictator's idea was to kill an actor on film. Yep, that's the climax of the film. That and the then dictator the, character and, dies heroically. Yeah. And then let's say the director and the cast are like, all right, we're going to swap to the actual dictator, and we're actually, we're going to, for real, kill this man and win yep. the war. Yep. The the war the war ends, like, three days later. Here's <laughs> <laughs> that film. You that's ever perfect. thought it was weird? <laughs> <laughs> that suddenly he just you know sued for peace and disappeared <laughs> <laughs> so okay so let's put this cast together so we have i like um uh tendaway newton as our journalist um so we use her as our journalist all right are you writing this down because we're gonna forget <laughs> yeah yeah i am um the question now becomes do we so we can use Sasha Baron Cohen because we know he can play drama as well. Yep. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen as our dictator and the body double. Um, I think we could use. I don't. 
I don't see Richard Jenkins as a director. I see, I see. We we can bookend the film and have him be the older version of the writer. Still. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So okay. So wait. Yeah. So who is the writer? The writer is. It's not Sasha Baron Cohen. It's not no, the dictator no. or body double. So who do we use as the younger version? Who looks like a young Richard Jenkins? <laughs> I don't know, generic white guy. Yeah, let's see. He's got he's um, got kind of like a pointy nose. Um, who could be a younger Richard Jenkins? Um, what? What? Richard Jenkins, Richard Jenkins is seventy four. Yeah. So we don't gotta go too far. Who's that guy? What if we use Bradley Whitford? Bradley Whitford isn't that well wait Bradley Whitford's like 65 he's 61 yeah so he's in his 60s but it's the idea that they both worked in a uh, cabin in the woods together I like the idea of Bradley Whitford How about playing Josh Lucas Josh Lucas I think they have a similar nose oh I can see it if you put glasses on him yeah he's 50 he can play a little bit younger he can play 45 or so yeah yeah I'm down with that so Josh Lucas is so. What are we saying that maybe Richard Jenkins is telling the story? Yeah, he's 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 being actively blackmailed and he's trying to talk his way out of it. Oh, I like that. He's being blackmailed in the present and he's telling uh, Newton that. <laughs> I swear to Almighty fucking God, I'm not a Nazi. <laughs> I don't know how else to make or, this clearer to you. Whatever weird party we're gonna make up because yeah, it can be a Nazis. fake party if we want. It doesn't yeah. matter. Or just or or just nationalist, just use the title nationalist. Yeah. <laughs> um and then Gary Oldman can be the director. Yeah, of course. The, he's the director during the time that the film's made. I would say probably is it the forties or fifties? Like late forties, I guess. I want to hire Gary Oldman to play this director and do an impression of Luke Besson. <laughs> Luke Besson? <laughs> How I mean Okay. <laughs> I think that would be the funniest thing to tell Gary Oldman, just act like that Frenchman you've worked for a bunch of times. <laughs> oh man, Leon the professional, baby. Yeah. Um yeah, no. Fifth I'm, Element. I'm about that. I need to rewatch Fifth Element. I never the first time I saw it, I was kind of thrown off. I was like, do I like this? I need to rewatch it. It's unique. Uh, it's 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 kind of funny in looking at the way that was that was written. Uh, Luke Besson was writing the Fifth Element, hit like a serious case of writer's block. Mm-hmm. Uh, couldn't figure out where to take it because it is a weird movie. Um, and was like, this is supposed to be my like my epic, my magnum opus type thing. I got to take some time. And he went off for two weeks on vacation, and he wrote Leon the Professional, <laughs> um, just as like let me let me get this out of my system. I'll I'll just come up with this story about a hitman. Yeah, and uh, what's funny is the professional is widely regarded as a much better film. <laughs> yeah, I've actually never seen Leon the Professional. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I need to watch that. John Reno is so awesome. Yeah, ah, he's seventy three. Damn. Yeah. Um. Uh, so okay. So let's 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 put this in a three act structure real quick. Yeah. We have the introduction to the film is going to be the journalist who is uncovering the original writings, quote unquote, of of this writer played by Richard Jenkins, uh, yeah. who is a prolific writer who worked yeah. in Hollywood for you, a couple you years. You put words in the mouth of the greatest dictator of the century. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, and then we have him explain to her that we flash back to the times when it was like maybe yeah. the mid forties or towards the end of the world, uh, t- towards the end of the world war two, towards the end of world war two, um, where they are uncovering that they are now making a movie that is supposed to be, is it like a, is it like a special ops type thing similar to like Inglorious bastards where like the premises that they're making this movie as a cover up, which also brings in like Ben Affleck and Argo. Uh, it's kind of like a cover up to kill the dictator. Like that's the whole premise of making this movie. That would be kind of funny. Yeah. If it's, it's kind like, of like the idea the is <laughs> we're going to, it's, it's like Argo. It's like, we're going to pretend to make this movie so that we can kill this dictator. <laughs> Oh, okay. Second pitch for Gary Oldman's character. Um, 
he's doing a ridiculous French accent. And when they finish shooting the movie, he pulls off a fat suit and he's, he works for the British OSS. <laughs> he's like, he looks like uh, his version of Winston Churchill and yes. then like takes it all off. And it's just Gary Oldman. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. It's reminding me sort of, uh, of, um, Oh my God, Michael Myers' character in uh, Inglorious ba- Inglorious Bastards as well. Oh yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the like the British RAF officer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Um, so then we cut uh, throughout the film. We're cutting back and forth, present to which in this time present would probably be. Let's see, Richard Jenkins is seventy four. It's the nineteen forties. So, and we have uh, Josh Lucas playing him, maybe forty five. So we cut maybe forty years later. So we're looking at like the mid eighties or so. Um, and this journalist is sitting there listening to this story. Do we ever have her buy it or does she never buy it? I don't think she ever buys it. Yeah. She never buys it. It like, sounds fantastical that like this guy just got caught up, like being paid literally by the word yeah, <laughs> to, to come up with the entire literature basis of a regime uh, <laughs> who somehow gets wrapped up in a grand plot to, have the dictator of a nation drown in a water tank on set during the finale of the film. Yeah. And then all they have to do is just say that it was the body double or something. And that's like, Oh no, you know, I guess these things happen. It's the 1940s. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so then how does it end? How does it end? Yes, indeed. Since when are endings so important to movies? (laughs) um i forgot yeah i forgot gary oldman is also in leon the professional um maybe natalie portman um i'm trying it's it's got to be something out there like kubrick style dr strange love where like maybe he tries to run away from her or something i'm getting a mixture of dr strange love and burn after reading hashtag Cohen brothers every episode um, <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting like a mixture of those two things like kind of towards the end of burn after reading when like jk simmons is like being like debriefed on everything and he's like so so nothing really happened and everyone we learn <laughs> yeah exactly i guess we learned never to do <laughs> whatever, whatever the fuck it is we did <laughs> again um it says and <laughs> I love the part with like Francis McDormand's like, and she wants us to pay for her plastic surgery. Fuck yeah, it. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Get not? her the fuck out of here. <laughs> so anyone who could have uncovered this stuff is now dead. And there's no records of them having been involved at all. Yes. What the fuck did they go to the Russians? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I love that movie so much. So, it's such a good film. So freaking funny. Um, but yeah, I think we do something like that where it's kind of you're not entirely sure what is real. Maybe, maybe we do play on the audience a little bit mm-hmm. where you're not entirely sure whether or not he's lying. Um, but I feel like there's like maybe a chase in the end or one of them has to die, whether or not they accidentally shoot Richard Jenkins or he accidentally shoots Sandoway Newton. Mm-hmm. There's gotta be something that, you know, just is like, Holy shit. Did it really end that way? Yeah. Okay, yeah. What 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 kind of weird spin can we put on this? Cuz I'm thinking kind of like what what is it? Oh god, is he the sole survivor? Is he the sole survivor of this thing? And and Tendaway Newton is the one that dies? Uh is she, wait, is she playing the journalist or the lead actor in the film? Oh, my idea was to have her as the journalist. Yeah, I I'm I'm talking about like in the in the flashbacks. Um like I, now I'm starting to envision the Jenkins character or the Josh Lucas character as being this like Jerry from Rick and Morty. And he's, <laughs> he's just like such kind of a whinging coward. He's the only one who survives the climax of this film. Okay. So you like mean... that's the twist I would put on it. It's like, no, it's not going to be the great dictator with love conquers all. <laughs> okay. So in your idea, like, do you mean when survives this film, do you mean everyone else actually dies? Yes. How so? In the in their attempts to to uh, rig um, this film set to to swap the dictator on and be killed during the finale, I I I think it's it's just a fucking disaster and everyone dies. 
except okay. for the writer. Because my idea was just that you know it's forty years later and he's the only la- he's the last surviving member yeah. of the film. Um, that, would, that would be like my darker take on it because other you know otherwise we are going a, a bit more in like my original direction of of the Chaplin esque uh, type film. So I, I I don't know it just strikes me as being really dark and funny to have to, everybody die to have the he, him be telling the story of trying to convince a journalist that he you know was never a fascist. And he's this writer, and he was part of this scheme to to kill the dictator and end the war. And while it technically worked, uh, he was a complete fucking coward who just didn't show up that day. And everything went terrible, and everyone died. I do like that. I like that he was a coward, and 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 everything uh, went terrible. I, I'm not sure I'm sold on everybody dying. <clears throat> I think. I kind of like the idea that it's a little bit more subtle if we just have it that he's just the last living member of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, him being a coward and not being there for the death of the dictator is perfect. I think that's great. Yep. Um, but then, okay, so uh, my idea is is Tendaway Newton as the journalist in the 1980s yes. um, talking to him about this. Do you want to use her as the lead actress? And then we can switch back to Hilary Swank. Um, well, if we keep her as the journalist, then who would who would we use as the the actor in the in the period film opposite Sasha? Who who could we use in that? Um, uh, I'm trying to think of like female actress. Chastain, Jessica Chastain. I could see Jessica Chastain. She's got the um, look. I could also. Oh, who am I thinking of right now? Um, oh my gosh, I can't even remember. I, I'm yeah, I'm good with Jessica Chastain. She's got that. She's got a very classic look. Yeah, timeless. Um, no, wait, Rebecca Ferguson. That's who I was thinking of. Hey, yeah, yeah. She's got an accent. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we can use Rebecca Ferguson. Um, what title are we going with? I think Foiled Works. Yeah, as long as we keep the title of the book and the movie within the movie. Oh, a for love sure. For all time. A love for all time. Um, yeah, the the movie within the movie is that. Um, oh God! I just now, I'm, I'm picturing I'm picturing the book, and this is the title: A Love for All Time: Colon A Romance for the Ages. <laughs> It's the same thing twice. It's just, it's just the it's same so exact fucking title bad. twice. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, I'm glad your own people beat you to death, Mussolini. <laughs> so, who is your director again, Ch- uh, Jay Trangisekar? Yeah, um, I think he, he he's a bit uh, more towards the slapstick nature. I was kind of going for in my original. I think your choice is a a, a bit more. I don't, yeah, I don't think it's Affleck, but I kind of also don't think it's Jay. Let's see. I think, I think we put our heads together. We can find. I mean, it's got it's um, got a certain bite to it now, so it's not like you know, funny haha, and it's not very right. serious. Yeah, so who's who's kind of good at like satirical dark stuff? Um, because the first thing that comes to mind is. Ironically, Affleck and Hollywoodland. Hmm. But who directed Hollywoodland again? Was who that uh, pa- was that De Palma? Oh, no, yeah, he, did, a long time. he did. He uh, did. He did uh, Black Dahlia. Hmm. Hollywoodland was Alan Couture. I'm not really familiar with him. He did. He directed some of The Sopranos, a lot of TV, Boardwalk Empire, Ray Donovan. Oh damn! Sopranos, things like yeah. that. Sex in the City. Um, you get to stretch your wings a lot more with with TV and that kind sure. of way. Um, okay, now I'm just trying to. Think, <coughs> what are some of the best like black comedies of the last? I mean, I loved the shit out of Death to Smoochie, but I don't think we should hire Danny DeVito at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good movie. Um, I mean, I think of a lot of a lot of people, but they're all dead. What about Martin McDonough? Does he direct now? Of course, he did three billboards. He did In Bruges. He did Seven Psychopaths. I knew. Oh, I knew he wrote those. I wasn't one hundred percent sure if he directed them. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Them. Let's 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 go with yeah. Martin. 
I God, I've been wanting to rewatch Imbruge so bad. I love Imbruge. It's such a phenomenal film. For those of you who haven't seen it, if you want to see Colin Farrell, uh, Brendan Gleeson, Ray Fiennes at their absolute best, I mean, it's, it's an anti buddy cop comedy. I love it. Yeah, it's <laughs> so friggin' good. Um, yeah, I think Martin McDonough is perfect for that. Um, yeah, he's got it's 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 his vibe. You know, he's. He's the successor to Harold Pinter, who is exactly the kind of vibe I think we would go for. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So McDonough, we have Tendaway Newton. We have Sasha Barra Cohen. We have Josh Lucas as a young Richard Jenkins. We have Gary Oldman and Rebecca Ferguson. So real quick, before we close this off, shorter episode, let's just real quick recap the beats of this movie. Yeah. So we open up with a journalist having uncovered propagandist writing of the 1940s by an author she has uncovered as richard jenkins yeah she goes he's he's like i think he should be an acclaimed satirist i think he should kind of be like a a kurt vonnegut okay yeah absolutely i'm about that um she goes to meet with him to do an interview where she thinks she's going to kind of uncover this whole propagandist plot of you changed your name and this is your original work and blah 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 and it's at that point where he now has to tell her you don't understand this was all satire in the 1940s, but he has no real proof of it. He has no real of saying like, this was all satire. I was hired to write this as, as such. Um, so he then decides to tell her the story about how he was hired as a writer by a group of, I don't even know what you want to call them by a group of, uh, rebels, let's yeah. say nationalists, nationalists who are attempting to overthrow the dictator of the blank government. Yeah. And oops, they do it. <laughs> they do it after realizing that they can actually kill the dictator via the film, um, which maybe at first they weren't sure if they were going to do it. And then it accidentally happened or they planned on it from the get go. We don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but then after that, he was supposed to be there the final day where they were all gearing up to kill the dictator and everyone did it and it worked, but he wasn't there because he, he was a coward and and ran away. Yep. So he's not even in like the secret reports. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So his name is basically redacted everywhere. We cut back to towards the end where we then see that he's still trying to convince Tandaway Newton that it was all, a part of the plan. He was never a Nazi or whatever, you know, a communist, whatever you want to call it. And it was all part of the plan, but he has no physical proof. So we do need to just come up with an ending. I don't know why, but I see this like basically being a chase through the streets of like, I don't know, Paris or something like that. Like he's, he's expatriated Mm -hmm. to, to Paris or something. And that's where the interview is taking place. And he's chasing her down the streets or she's chasing him or something, you know? Mm -hmm. I think she chases him. I think, I, I think he eventually gets her to believe him. Um, cause he's, he is a good writer and he's very persuasive. Yeah. Um, out really out there pitch, really out there pitch. Um, the code of the film is it's revealed that the American secret service, smuggled the dictator out of the country and got him plastic surgery to look like the writer who was killed. (laughs) Oh my God. So you're saying in the way that we absolutely grabbed up a whole bunch of Nazis and got them to help us learn how to do interrogation and topple South American communist states. So are we saying that Richard Jenkins in the end is actually the dictator? Yep. Whew, that is definitely out there, but that is that is in a That's, good way out there. That is the darkest um, dark horse I've ever written. For sure. Because that <laughs> that is because that's also a really fun twist towards the end where you're like, oh, this writer is just trying to prove his innocence, but this writer is actually not the writer. It's this fucking dictator that tried to that yep. literally just wanted to leave the war. He's like, I really don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. He got away, he got he completely got away with it. Because I because everyone was playing this like shell game on the set. Yeah. On the last day of like, this is the real guy. This is the fake guy. The, who's who, Oh, fuck. Get him. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> they lose track and he escapes and he cuts a deal 
with like the, the CIA. I love it. And he gets the surgery. <laughs> <laughs> so the writer actually died. Yeah. During the whatever. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. I think I think we have a very interesting film. And it's it really is interesting how when we go completely different routes, we we are still able to to put them into one film. You know, yeah. there have been one or two times where we've scratched either my or your idea to go one route. But I feel like this is much more fun and much more intriguing to be able to actually. It's more challenging. These, yeah. To blend these together. Um, awesome. I'm happy with that. This episode, uh, for anyone listening now, uh, is out on Thursday the 12th. We're getting back to our Thursday schedule. Uh, the last one did come out on that Saturday just because we really wanted to get something out. We had ants in our pants. Yeah, we're going to try really hardly. hardly. We're going to try really hardly uh, to continue to do every other Thursday, which means if this episode's out on the 12th, hopefully the next one will be out on the 26th. Um, again, guys, ladies, anyone in between who's happy to listen to our podcast, um, if you have ideas, please send them to us. We would love to get some pitches and articles from everyone else. We would love to see what you all come up with. And we would love to be able to position that on the podcast so that you can, if you want to record yourself uh, pitching a film to us, we would love to play that at the beginning or during our podcast so we can give you guys the limelight for a moment. Um, as of now, we are still everywhere on Twitter, Facebook, Gmail, uh, WDYG podcast. Uh, you can find us on excuse me my space (laughs) my space you can find us on any podcasting service you listen to apple music spotify stitcher google play all that stuff uh we currently do not have a instagram because i still can't get one of our handles Um, i'm not paying someone (laughs) no (laughs) for the fucking letters wdyg the thing that sucks about is that both handles wdyg podcast and what do you got are taken but have never posted um which is the way it goes you know there there are domain minings uh that's that's how a lot of people function let's report them (laughs) i i want to figure out a way to do that just to be like hey look they're not using this and this is kind of our domain can we do this uh we do actually uh need to look master of our domain as well (laughs) um other than that i i don't think i have anything else rob do you no no that's it for me and I think we're both losing our voices. So Yeah, I don't know what the hell just happened. I think I need some water. Um, <laughs> as you're coughing up the mic. It's hot. Uh, <laughs> uh, but thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope to have you join us for next episode 35. I think we're going to try to do special guest episodes every 10. So our last yep. one was 30. We'll do the next one at 40. Uh, we will probably announce who that will be, maybe episode 38 or something like that, just to gear up. Mm-hmm. Um and if you're super famous and would like to be a special guest, uh, hit us up. Yeah, we'll, we'll consider it. <laughs> Depending on who you are. Ben Affleck, if you're around, maybe we have time for you. Uh, it'd be kind of cool. Um, other than that, sign us off, Rob. Oh, sure. <clears throat> I've been Rob. I've been Nick. And that is what we got. <laughs> What Do You Got is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Weiss. You can find her on Twitter at, at Gabby Weiss. 